Evening all, and uh, and we're live. Uh, so tonight we've got a guest. We've got uh, Stash Prada. Do you want to introduce yourself, Stash? Hi, you guys. How you doing, England? This is Stash Prada from the internet. I love that intro. I love Pinhead. <laughs> I work with him sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I know this freaks you out, but I know him. You know, we've done things in the universe and other dimensions together, and it's you know he's he is scary, but you know you've got to give him a chance. He's, don't give the guy a bad rap. <laughs> Sorry. Love that intro. Uh, yeah, uh, Zero made that. Uh, got some Ugh. got some bad news for the fans. Zero's moved on to moved on to bigger, bigger and better things. Um, good luck to Zero. Um, so tonight you've got me and Stash. Hey, synchronicity. Yeah, <laughs> we'll have to do without Zero. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we can do it. Who's the man? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, so, Stash, uh, what do you want to what do you want to talk about? I think Brit, I think Zero had you lined up to talk about cults. You you were in a cult, were you? I was. I was when I was younger. I was in like a martial arts cult. Um, and it's hard hard to describe how like uh, how um, delusional you can get um, from the things. I mean, they use a kind of a loaded language, and it's hilarious. I mean, it's like, for instance, if one of the masters, if you go to the school, they'd be like, uh, the guy was like, get me a um, BLT, no mayo, understand? And he'd be like, but before that, you're supposed to be, would it, would it be all right to get you a sandwich? And he'd go, yes, get me a BLT, no mayo, understand? Like, yes, instructor. <laughs> I got the guy the sandwich. I come back, but I I screwed up and had mayo. So he's like, you had mayo. You have no mind, understand? I'm like, yes, instructor, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no mayo, you said no mayo. I'm not worthy of <laughs> And... It was a it was a group that was out of Chicago, and it wasn't there. There was another one that had come out of there that's very very famous. Um, that was way before my time. It was the called Count Dante. There was this guy Count Count Dante, and I admit I want to send for a Black Dragon Society T-shirt sometime to be part of his groove because it's an awesome story. I mean, the guy was like a hairdresser, and he was tough looking. I you know, he had like the hair, hair. I guess their look of a tough guy had had a beard, and the hair would be a certain way. Sorry if I'm talking too fast, with her, But you ever notice how <laughs> each country has a way that the guys look tough? Like you guys, I don't know what you have. Maybe the skinheads or something, or yeah, 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 I think it's prob- or, probably a skinhead, yeah, or the footballer look. Yeah, those guys had a certain kind of tough look, like it was a kind of a hot uh, a beard, and a weird and count down. He had, the, and you know, he was just full of it, you know. And the guy was like the black and like out. It's the dim mock, and I teach you the way, and and it's like hilarious. And the guy was a total charlatan. He was teaching dreams, or whatever. And this was the same thing. So it's like you just want to believe, and you just surrender to the master. The less you meet him, and the more lies. 
they tell about the master, the more you love them. You know, you're just like, yes, <laughs> I need to know the secrets. And you, you, you have no idea that you're like how, how much of a suck you are. And it, it, it's incredible. The dilute other people will try to talk you out of it. And the more they talk, try to talk you out of it, the deeper you go, you know, it's like the movies or something. Or So was this like a living cult then? then? You were living there. Um, I didn't. I didn't quite take it that far. I didn't, they had a thing where you would work for them, like they had a bunch of paint companies. Mm. And the live-in thing would be if, if you really, you know, gave them all your money, and um, you would go live with the, them and become an instructor. And it did, and it happened to guys. And I've seen guys that were deprogrammed later, and they were like, you know, I I lost my house, you know. Or some pretty heavy stuff. I didn't reach it that far because I happened to be kind of working for another guy who was a complete crook, and uh, I took one of their tests for the belt or whatever. And the and the guy was like, "You don't know what you want to do with your life." And I'm like, "I'm sorry." And I, I repeated that to the guy that I worked for that was actually actually quite a bit more sophisticated con man than any of these people actually, but. And he was like, that's, that's a lie. You, nobody wants to do, nobody knows what they want to do with their life. At the time, President Bush was president. He was like, Bush doesn't know. Nobody knows. And I was like, and then boom, it just disappeared. The spell was gone. It, you know, if, if I could, it just was all of a sudden you were like, oh my God, I'm, I was an idiot. And it's just, it's funny. You just wake up. <laughs> so it wasn't slowly it was just literally bang that was it you go oh, what a fucking idiot i am is that what it was yeah yeah <laughs> it's just like oh <laughs> it's like oh, i can't believe and this and like it's funny because the the movement you would hold these positions whatever and you want to do good see your legs get huge and you're like walking around <laughs> And, you know, you're getting strong, but it's like imbalanced and you're like, and you're getting good. But that, you know, you realize, oh, the, not only that, the movement is not pure, you know, because they're, it's a lie, you know, <laughs> I, um, I think they even said the master lifted certain things from like cartoons or something. It was just, you know, <laughs> 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 and they were photographed and stuff, but, but it's like, they say it with, and they make it vague, so it becomes like, uh, like they said one time, the master walked from one city to another. So they were like, master walks faster ways, understand? And <laughs> <laughs> like, and the, the stupider it sound, the more it sounded like you're like, like that's our thing, like understand. <laughs> and you meet other guys, and you're like, would it be all right? Or you meet other strikes, right to ask, and they would add. Um, credentials on the guy so would have like to ask assistant regional head instructor bob <laughs> <laughs> if you could look at my form and of course if you paid them the payment for that month and they're like your form looks good understand <laughs> and you're like ah oh. and then if you were out of money you lost your job or you blew some money on something else they'd be like your form is bad understand like no no <laughs> <laughs> Keep in mind here, you're like sweating to death or doing 
incorrect uh, qigong movements and stuff like that. So you'd get dizzy and completely get effed up. I mean, it's just like, and, and you know, it's it's um, and, and then you'd catch certain things and it wouldn't get you out of the spell. Like one guy was like, "Oh, master traveled to Russia and taught them ballet." Understand? And and you're standing there as the cult mind control ding ding. And you're like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, didn't the Russians, you know, isn't that Parishnikov? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, who invented ballet? And it's like, awesome. And, and this, this, I guess I ha- my point would be, or one thing that, you know, this doesn't stop there. This, this goes to other parts of society. You know, the, the, sometimes the more horrible the, the popular person is uh, the less you know about them the more the devoted fans go crazy you know yeah the fake enigma thing yeah oh i didn't even oh what do you mean by like the fake the fake crypt you know like pe- people who kind of have an air of mystery about them don't they like 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 lady gaga when she first appeared where she oh, always wore the mask yes. and you never saw her face, did you? Oh, is that how she played it in the beginning? Yeah. Yeah, the less you see the the, the more, you know, like the bigger the, the bigger the stars, the less they appear, I noticed. Mm. Well, they tried it, you know, now they're more on. Like like Cruz didn't seem to be on too much. And now he is more. Or I don't, I can't even think of another person. I don't, they're 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 now exposing some, but they used to they used to only come on so much, right? Or I don't know. Now they're they're more visible, but I don't know. Well, they were like there were different reasons Tom Cruise didn't appear much because he was in Scientology. You ever had a brush with a Scientologist or anything like that? Then being from America. Oh yeah, I I have. In fact, I was walking in the city one time with a friend of mine, and um, they asked us to to come in and I was like, I'm not going in. This is a bunch of bullshit. And he was like, you don't understand. I'm an alcoholic. I, this could be some Avenue to help me. Let's go in. So, <laughs> so they had us watch a movie about a football player who gets hit on the noggin and he's in the hospital. And then the Scientology guy comes to him and he goes, you know what? You know, this isn't your head. This isn't your freaking head. Your noggin that got dinged, pal. You've got negative engrams. <laughs> and like the football player guy's like, oh, really? <laughs> and he, he starts getting healed. <laughs> like, And it was kind of a 1950s, like one of those like, Johnny, don't smoke marijuana. Or the way to become a cat. You know, one of those 19, and he gets, and then they gave a test. So I took the test or whatever, and the, and the guy who was kind of twitching or whatever, he goes, the results of this test mean that you are an evil person and you have done something bad. You've robbed a bank or something. <laughs> and he's like twitching. And I, I was about to go, I was about to go, what the fuck are you talking about? And go really at him, you know? <laughs> But I caught myself, and I go, I change my face and try to act act real tough and go, you're right, I did. 
<laughs> and the guy cowered back and he left me the fuck alone. I loved it. <laughs> you out, you out crazy. You out crazy the uh, the Scientologist then, did you? Yeah, yeah, and I couldn't believe. I was like, what? And you know, my friend got out of it with just buying the comic book or something, but. <laughs> You know, they, 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 I mean, they had like a, a, a really wild brownstone over, over by the, uh, river there, the Charles river, um, place. So I don't know. I would imagine it's probably pretty big in England, right? Do they, do they have that too? Um, or they not don't so fall? much. So I think, um, I think we, um, Took them to court. I, th- I think we we legally tangled them up, so I don't think they really um, bother with us anymore. Oh God! You know this this sounds totally crazy about the whole worship of celebrity or different things. And I I had I was uh, hanging out down this pub there by Victoria Station. You know. Yep. I don't think it's there anymore. It was like the Tut and Shy or something like that. <laughs> and I befriended this kid. This guy, he was like a, a butcher. And he said, let's go out tonight. Let's go out tonight. We'll, we'll go to the disco place. But he said, look, wait, he said, he go, he had the accent, I guess what you call it, a cockney accent when you guys went. He's like, you know, yeah. let me tell you, stuff. these people here, they are so dumb. You won't believe me. We're going to put something over them. We're going to tell them, we're going to tell them you're a movie star. We're going to tell them you're Dean Kane and we're going to drink for free. I'm like, what? You got to be shitting me. But we went in there. The guy with total balls, he tells the bartender, he goes, Hey, this is Dean Kane. <laughs> the guy goes, Oh, what? You want a drink? I'm like, Yeah, yeah. I was like, What the hell? I'm like, Okay. And he's like, See, I told you. And I was like, Okay. I was like, Wow. I was like, I was like, Why can't I do this all the time? You know, I just lie. And it's, you know, it's hard, but you just maintain it. And the, you know, you would think people get it, but no, it's the the worst, the lie. It's like sometimes the less people get it, you know, it's insane. It's like <laughs> or the simpler the message, maybe, you know, like I mean, like these people that are like walk around, they're like arch- archetypes of very, very, very deep mediocrity that's that's not easy to obtain, if that makes any sense. You know, like you got your Tom Cruise, you got Pam Anderson. They're like, they're like very, very specific archetypes of something that that people, and and they don't say too much, and they let the people make it up. Yeah. You're like Angelina Jolie. Angelina Jolie would never hurt my dog. <laughs> it doesn't even make me like she would like my dog. <laughs> it, it, have you ever heard people say stuff like this? I don't know. Yeah, I think I, I think I know it? what you mean. I mean, I mean, you go you go over here, um, you know, like the day, you know, the you know the soaps. Do you know what the soaps are? Like the daytime dramas. We're, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like what like what you'll get over here is like um is is whoever plays like the villain in it, they'll they'll get like um they'll get like someone come up to them in the supermarket and just give them hell <laughs> for for being nasty <laughs> in a in a daytime soap. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, this this sounds horrible. When when I first was coming over, I was like idolizing, like I'm like, oh my god, I, I'm here, I'm in England, Sherlock Holmes, Shakespeare, this is it. I can now 
die now. But then I was going down some of the streets and I saw, you know, and I'm not going to, I'm not, I don't want to sound like a jerk with it, but like I started to get a little judgmental sometimes because there's these uh, newspaper shops and it's got all these tabloid things. I'm like, oh shit, that's just like back like home. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's, there's you know, certain things that don't change, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. It was like, you know, but what did I expect? You know, I, it's like my expectation. Well, that's, that's what, know, that's what we were saying before, wasn't it? It's like, they're trying to turn every single high street in every single country exactly the same. So you, so you can walk down any shut, any high street anywhere and know, and know what you're going to buy. Oh my God. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a nightmare. It's a living hell. It's a every every um do you have you ever heard this is pretty obscure but there's a American comic and actor this uh, named Eric Bogosian. Um, I and may have heard of him. It, it it doesn't spring he doesn't spring to mind. He plays um a shock jock in a in a in a movie from way long ago, kind of a Howard Stern kind of guy or. Or that kind of guy, and 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 he's he's so right wing or whatever that they kill him. And he's interesting in that I never forget he was talking about this town uh, in New England somewhere, whatever that's like plain, plain, and and he just said what I never forgot, which was really quite frankly something I observed too. So I really was digging what he was saying it affirmed a thought I had that every he called there's this place called four corners and there's one taco bell, one Kentucky fried chicken, one phone thing and one this and <laughs> like that. And then when, when you drive from um, New York back to Boston or something or back and forth, whatever, or one of those cities, you're driving and you see that again and again. <laughs> Again and again. So I had experienced that in Germany, you know, which I, I have, I'm a huge fan of Germany. I love all the rich thing and, and I like the different things. And you're, I'm like, oh my God, they got it too. There's more, there's a four car. Oh, it's more. No, how could this be? Or when I was in um, uh, Vienna, you know, one time and like there was a Starbucks. And what's the best thing about Vienna? Where you go in those tremendous coffee shop and they said they were a little mad about it but it was you know it was there and it's like there's 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 about five or six of them on uh 8th avenue in new york city well remember uh jack Starbuck. uh what's his name uh lewis black have you ever you're a fan of lewis black at all yeah 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 there's that one where he said i've 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 made it i've reached the end of the universe i know i'm at the end of the universe because i've just stepped out of a starbucks and there's a starbucks opposite <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah and the symbolism is incredible i mean it's the siren and she's got her you know she's got her legs um apart let's face it yeah some of them i don't know if you've seen that one and she's like calling you to it i mean they even have i've seen one they had the all-seeing eye on some of their uh wall murals i don't know if you caught them <laughs> i don't know i've i've seen uh is it denver airport have you ever been to denver airport have you seen that oh yeah i made a youtube of it oh yeah oh yeah very creepy 
That's really creepy. With like the the Nazi with the gas mask on killing people. That's just like just hard, isn't it? <laughs> it's in your face. I mean, <laughs> it's, and it's got an odd vibe to it. And uh, now, when I got there, they they had I think they had actually t- taken that mural down. Um, yeah, I, I have. I've no heard that's what, come down, hasn't it? It's what I have heard that's come down that mural. Yeah, so I I couldn't find it. I couldn't find the gargoyle either. I have to confess. <laughs> but it what is it, it has like these um. It's like a it almost looks like a giant tent. So it 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 gives this muffled vibe. You know, if you talk about feng shui, feng shui or whatever. Yeah. I was ta- I was chatting with Zero um, the other night um, when I was vlogging or whatever, and we were talking about these cities um, have these uh, amazing energy points with the chi, you know, like when like uh, for me the strongest one is is the Times Square, but I, I, New York, but I got a pretty pretty darn big vibe when i went up the um escalator into that piccadilly circus thing there yeah that look that looks like some sort of it it's it, it look you it always seems like some sort of energy collector or something doesn't it yeah i don't know and do they what do they you guys call it the circle or uh piccadilly circus circus but it has yeah. a circular feeling or am i out to lunch on that i don't know yeah i think it's there's that one building isn't there that bends around the corner yeah, it's it's it almost looks like the brother to the Times Square somehow. Or yeah, it's got that it's got that feeling. We, we we're talking about that um, Jean Laclare, the the circus, you know, where the MI6 British intelligence I... uh, they refer to it as the circus, and I think the Russians call their ones the circle and. I don't know if you've seen. Have you seen that movie or? No, I haven't seen that one. Which film? Which film's that? It's um. It was originally done with Alec Guinness, the uh, from Star Wars, or whatever, and then it's been remade yeah. into another good one with Gary Oldman. Uh, is that? Um, it's about the it, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Is that the one? Yeah, precisely. Yeah, absolutely. And, the, uh, and even even the number is kind of gonna like the five, you know, the the Cambridge Five. Um, it's it's and we were talking about, uh, or I was that that uh, before you guys had the Olympics, how the Queen is with Daniel Craig Bond, you know, who would obviously be the manifestation of John D. 007, you know, the yeah. the, the the occultist. Yeah, and it's very clearly that there's no mistake that he's not standing there as Daniel Craig. Yeah, uh, with her, he is obviously James Bond, which is a you know a, definitely a, definitely a callback to the to the Elizabethan era. Although people, I don't think realize it now. It's it's almost it's almost so universal that you you have to stop yourself and second you like, wait a minute Bond's not American you know because like, <laughs> like, he's so universal or something you know yeah yeah you get those kind of universal oh, yeah. characters don't you 
Yeah, yeah, like he's 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 representing, you know, uh, what is right or what really. Actually, I just I just commented something recently. Like, you know, if you look at James Bond, uh, he is a murderer and a nymphomaniac. <laughs> <laughs> With people like, how could you say that? He's one of them. Like, I don't think so. <laughs> Except they have, they have, they have toned him down and made him more sensitive. And there was this one Scottish guy that's saying, "Oh my God, now he's getting beat up by women and stuff." You know, he's, <laughs> he's not this. He's not the same. I mean, he's definitely remember remember Bond. Bond obviously used to be sexist as hell. Well, it always it always used to be and, that one of one of his one of his girlfriends in the film always always ended up dead because there was always like two Bond girls, wasn't there? One of them ended up dead, didn't they? Usually. Oh, that's an interesting observation. That is very kind of like sacrificed or something. Yeah, um, was you it? know that they're they're. Um, What were you going to say? Uh, no, after you. I'll, I'll start after you. Oh, I thought I was. Yeah. Oh, um, there's one of them with P- when Pierce was uh, Bond, and there's this media guy, and I was I was pretty shocked. He is directly inspired by Robert Maxwell. Yeah, the, yeah, I, I got, I I got that one. Uh, what is it? It's the. I, I was, is I, it the world is not enough? Yeah, with the really pretty girl from uh, Desperate Housewife or something. Uh, yeah. Um, she died. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's the kind, that's the one that made me think of that. To be honest. Um... And and um, <clears throat> actually, of course, you know everything. This is when the cinema meets real life because, of course, his daughter is. How do you say her name correctly? Jessalyn. Jessalyn. Maxwell. Uh, I've got no idea. Is it uh, uh, Gieslain? Gieslain, I think. Yeah, Gieslain. Yeah, the daughter was 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 the person who 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 you know provided. A, a, and I will say allegedly because I'm I'm of course in the <laughs> I'm of course the blackest operative there is, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> allegedly, my friend Gieslain was the one who, you know. Beyond horror, uh, provided these women, to, these um, women to to Epstein. Have you seen? Have you seen she's doing? She's she's suing the Epstein estate. Have you seen that? No, for real. Because, yeah, because apparently when he was alive, um, Epstein Epstein promised her uh, money for life or something. So she's suing on that basis. That he was supposed to provide her money for life. Yeah, <laughs> so she's suing his estate for money for, for you know, such and such, like, um, amount of money for life. She's got guts. you got to <laughs> give her that. <laughs> you know what's the most horrible, horrible th- th- thing is, is, um, you know, I... I would like to meet her. I would like to, I, I you know, not that I haven't, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, she reminds me of, have you heard of that occultist artist woman that, that has freaked out people? Um, 
Like that Mar- Ab- Abramovich. Abramovich. Mario Abramovich. Yes. Yeah. I can't even believe I've I've made a whole YouTube in, in dedication to her witchcraft and her <laughs> art. And you know, I she's probably me. I I can't. I would I'd love to meet her. You know, I'd love to see if my chi could block her chi. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she and I need to reunite and just des- and destroy the coronavirus. <laughs> 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 what do they call it? The black and white the yin and yang uh yin yang yeah the two energies i can't i the two energies yeah i mean i i i can't say i don't respect their rock hard determination but i mean it's like you know they they're unmistakably people who mean business i mean how does that the that's what i always think of 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 bond basically you know you give the other fella hell you know you're you're there and i think we as americans don't understand that but it's it's so funny that it's when you see an incredible britain person and there'll be somebody who's so wild tearing everybody down doing everything you know like an alistair crowley and then they'll be like but it's all for her majesty You know, that just freaks me out. You know, like when they showed uh, Lawrence of Arabia, like he had all these adventures. He was almost killed a million times. He he created Saudi Arabia. He it's it's this it's amazing that he even survived and he's coming back and reporting to his superior officer and there's all these stiff guys and the guys just like well, good job, Lawrence. Put that report over there and get out. <laughs> I, I went back crazy. To, I was like, "That's back so to, awesome!" Back to normality. He's just like, yeah. like who? Just back to normality, oh, isn't it? It's like you're back in the world. Yeah, now. back it's, to normality. But, yeah, or just the discipline of it. And like, very good, sir. <laughs> you know, like all these buildings and shit could be blowing up. And there's like, please take care of that. Very good, sir. <laughs> it, it's uh, it's there. There goes my. Thing that I think we were talking about earlier that that would kind of connect to there's this iron discipline that no matter what happens you you, you know you, you will die you're gonna die for the king you're gonna die for the queen and it's the same thing like the samurai it's kind of a variation of that or the Rudyard Kipling you know no matter what no matter who is against you you will completely kill everybody and take over this jungle for the queen <laughs> you know it, it's weird i don't know it and, and it and it's even still remains because i remember like joking around with some like you know liberal people from england and like well it's it's all it's well you guys are you know you kick ass a little too much with the king and, uh, and they're like oh no that's that's imagine you know they actually push back and i was like oh really okay okay sorry sorry <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about the whole thing, or, or like you know that that um, I was also going uh, talking to Zero about the the way these guys who are doubles, double agents, know something because one of the great traders to England was Philby and, and to America, uh, Philby, yep. amazing spy. Also, his dad. Sir John Philby was also 
equally as wild, a big spy. And in this scene, and here I come with my American chauvinism, like a yank, but yeah. this is part of it. So forgive me if I, this is part of this statement. But he says to the uh, Saudi kings, he's like, uh, oh no! Don't invest with Britain anymore. The, it's time. Put all your thing to America. And at this time, the the England was still the number one. You know clearly. And so, how did he know that would transfer the power to America? What what the heck? It's yeah. weird. <laughs> you know, he knew before and that that. And to me, that there had to be a little element of some knowledge he had or some treachery. You know, or somewhere or something. I don't. I don't know. It's really. I caught that line. I was like, ah. Oh. Like, well, um, you know, like I, I bet you some people might miss that. Uh, Crowley Crowley worked for the Secret Services during the war, didn't he? That is that is really amazing. Yeah, and that guy has that book, and he also had written about Sidney Riley, the incredible Sidney Riley, the British spy. And he had written about Crowley and it's, it is, it is, you know, cause you wonder how much, I mean, he definitely viewed himself as an occultist probably first, but you wonder how much they use that as cover to cover the greater duty uh, to the crown or to the intelligence service as an agent. And they say that he had something to do. He, he, he considered himself a prime mover and the Lusitania sinking. Oh, okay. Gambit. So he he was involved. They were they were keen on him because of his knowledge of the occult. Uh, some of the Germans. So he he had that, and he wrote that magazine Fatherland or whatever. He got in with them, and he had been he took trips to Berlin. So, so that's why you know some people you know and it's kind of probably uncomfortable to say some people like to think of him as as well as a Nazi or something, but. It's probably very uncomfortable to think, but he was actually, you know, like we were saying, uh, his duty is to the to the crown, which is even though he would look like this madman who, you know, with his sex magic and his mountaineering and all the, the great, all the incredible stuff. The great did. beast. Yeah, the great beast. And here's here's what's even more wild about that. Everybody would think that such a wild person or even these groups that like the OTO or the Freemasons, you go, wow, well, they have all the power. But it's still as wild as all those secret societies are, they still report in some way back to the office, you know, which which is weird. And they and they're involved in it too. I mean, I, I remember seeing some FBI guys and like they had they clearly had the uh Freemason rings mm. on. It, it, you know, so it's like back and forth. I had heard of a, a man from Austria who who was an intelligence man, and and it's hard to translate some of the stuff back to English, but it, it had been known that he had played the Freemasons too, with with his ability as an operative. Yeah, which usually you might think they were both jiving together, <laughs> but sometimes I don't think so. They they're not always completely in a line, I don't think, but a lot a lot they are. 
but it, you know you don't know we would never know it's like when people traffic in the kind of thing are discussing it you know people think they know we like to think we know and you know it's like that old thing the more you know then you're like wow i don't know but you know what guys you guys don't know <laughs> <laughs> and they're like no i know i've got every david i take and i got every alex jones thing shut up you know like no i don't think you know you know <laughs> <laughs> you, you you wouldn't you wouldn't know unless you know unless Jess Elaine is your friend and you're there, you know, you she would tell you about the real score, what's going on, you know, and then you, you, and you were there or unless she's lying to you or a guy like Maxwell, you know, who as, as massive as he was, he, he obviously got in over his head. You know, he, he owed a lot of money is the backstory to, to Maxwell. He had stolen all those pensions funds. Yeah. From the, in uh, the bond the daily- film, I don't think so. He used to run the newspaper, the Daily Mirror. Um, do you think he could have faked his death? You, you know what? I'll tell you. At that level, we don't know, yeah. do we? That's my – it's like what Epstein – people say Epstein didn't kill himself. And other guys have said, I think he fa- – fa-. you know, I, I, again, I don't want to say that he did and, and – commit myself and sound like a dink dink but uh <laughs> like a ding dong but <laughs> at that level yes i i really do think so and they could do it at both of them and you know it's possible in in and that that's kind of like how we freaked out over jfk you know how could they get to him you know, yeah, because they, they, the, then, they got the they got the moved and everything, didn't they, to get to JFK? Absolutely. And it's like I don't know if it did that even <laughs> reverb worldwide. Like, did they? You think they got the feeling in England? Like, if if they could have got to JFK, they could get to us, or maybe a little, right? Yeah, it makes. I mean, if you can take that, if you can take down a president, you can take down anybody, can't you? Yeah, you get. It. It's like a threat like and once this has happened it goes to your subconscious it's like the twin towers you know it is it is what we cannot unsee it that psychodrama that black magic happened and if we got it whether you're whether you live two blocks away from lower manhattan or you live in nepal in a bungalow, <laughs> in the mountains, and all you have, three people live in your town and you're ruled by some shaman or something, it doesn't matter. Chances are you took the you took the train to one of the towns and you saw the Twin Towers go down. It's like, you know, you can't, unsee, we wish we could unsee it. I mean, it's like, I don't know, have you seen some of the, the horrific live footage of the people leaping? Yeah, I've seen that, yeah. Unbelievable. I mean... Imagine being you know, faced with that kind of choice. you got a choice of either burning to death or jumping and definitely dying. It's horrible, isn't it, having that kind of choice? It's, it's, unimag- it's, you know, it's unimaginable. Did you, did you see the clear shot they have of what they're calling the hanging man? Yes, yeah. So... 
what are your thoughts on that? Do you, does it look like a stage frame picture, even though it existed? It's very interesting. Uh, uh, I think I'm kind of, I'm more in the let it happen on purpose camp than anything else. <laughs> that, so they get the photograph and it happened. Yeah. The, 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 the plane, the plane hit the tower, the tower come down. Um, Maybe I, oh, yeah. maybe I, maybe I think that um, there was some explosives planted. I'm open to that idea, so that's probably where I now, am here, with nine eleven. Here we go into the realm of the of the supernatural. When such a thing occurs. Does a does a does a spiral of of uh, synchronicities come out too? Yeah, no doubt. <coughs> that's what, yeah. See that 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 that's like when you were saying about the coronavirus. It's like there's also there's also fuck ups going on here. Yeah. You know? there, there's there, there's co- there's cock ups and conspiracies. I, I believe I believe that they kind of quite a few things are cock up, and then they just have to figure out how to make the best of it. Like uh, like Brexit and Trump getting in are both cock-ups that they had to then cope with uh-huh. somehow. In other words, somebody was going for it, but it happened for the people. Yeah, by mistake, a little bit. Yeah. So so then they have to so then and they have to re- regain control of it, then don't they? And yet and yet there is a counterforce too. Yeah. That we can't see of unseen. You know that I. They're going for the power grab too. Yeah, you know that 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 seems to be the case. Because there the has pop, to be there has the, there has to be more than one faction, doesn't there, of the deep state? Definitely. I mean, there's a, there's 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 definitely some gangs going on. I mean, and and uh, you know, there's there's um, newer players that are rising that can't be counted out. India, China. Are yep. coming to the table. Did you see that John Wick? Like the in that fantasy story, the 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 idea is everything's ruled by the assassin group, the High Table. Yes. And you know, it's it's. I like that concept. Like the the underworld has a whole system. It's it's funny how Keith. Keep- it's funny how Keanu Reeves keeps picking these projects with the um, with these kind of themes, isn't it? I guess he's just born it. He has he has that silent warrior, uh, new age warrior thing that he's got down brilliantly. I guess. Yeah. But just the name Wicker Man would go back to that bending of the reality, I guess, like the Wick John Wick, you know. Yeah. Which is scary because everybody, everybody does say he's the most wonderful guy ever. He helps people all the time, but his characters are undoubtedly very dark. I mean, I don't know, don't he, he used to way. he used to do more comedy though, didn't he? Yeah, like Bill and Ted, and uh, was it Parenthood? He was a bit of a goof in that, wasn't he as well? <laughs> yeah, maybe that helped him build up to yeah. become a, such a badass. <laughs> He's unmistakably good with uh, combat, small small arms. I mean, yeah. 
Is it when these films are they as huge when they come to the UK as they are here? Or like... yeah, the John Wicks are really popular here too. Ah, uh, yeah. That oh, that makes sense. And I I I wanted is some is sometimes Bond not as popular there as it is here. Does it catch uh, over here more because we get? A little... I think I think Bond's people are. It's it's not what it was, is it Bond? It's lost. It's lo- I think it's lost its edge, hasn't it? Since Craig took over. Yeah, it's a different thing. It doesn't. Even, it feels like a different thing. Yeah. I, I think they don't stop it because it's, to, to my mind, still a tribute to Doctor D. They can't stop it. They're just like, yeah. <laughs> I think they, they try. They're trying to, though, aren't they? <laughs> Keep the empire going. Why not? Yeah. The, I, li- I, to, I, didn't know the- I listened to a bit of one of your shows the other day when you were talking about uh, Prince of Darkness. I absolutely love that film. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. I think I even like it better than the Hellraiser. Yeah, it's really... Overall. Um, the kind of weird thing is, it's kind of strangely unsatisfying at the end, isn't it? Because you don't really get a proper conclusion, do you? You know, I, I swear, swear to you, I just watched it and then I ran out of time and I couldn't finish it. But I think I watched it before. Is it you talking about when the, I hate to spoil alert me, but when the when the woman basically flies through the portal into hell, right? Yeah, and then she and and then you find out that time's been changed, don't you? Because it's basically um, messages coming through time, isn't it? Oh yeah, see that was that. There's a lot of very very difficult concepts that he breaks down very beautifully in that film. Yeah, I mean it's a real it's a real high concept film, isn't it? I mean, like the physics, he's like, reality breaks down at the subatomic level, <laughs> and like they really took a chance. You know, they had the guy, and he and he really looked like a real physicist, and his eye was kind of messed up. And yeah, he's Donald Pleasance is creepy yeah i do a bit about donald pleasance on on how he he warns people but they don't get it like the sheriff's like sheriff michael myers is still alive (laughs) you idiot (laughs) and like they don't believe him (laughs) but you want to believe that he can handle it because he's so intelligent with his little pistol and like you cad you know like his brain power I love yeah. that concept. The whole world is going to hell, but there's some woman or man who can, can who can stay cool and like this is fascinating. <laughs> 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 like there's 50 dead people somewhere, and Michael Myers is literally going to kill everybody in the world. But like there's this detective or scientist or something like like we must, hmm, this is fascinating. We must pursue him. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> they can keep their cool. Like and you got to have people like that. Like you know, if it's somebody somebody has to be like like with these viruses, somebody has to know what to do. And they do it. And and there has to be a little bit of a dark a shadow side to them too because they would not survive. Like I just rewatched Mad Max, the new one. I don't know if you've seen that one. Yeah, that's not. Uh, it's not so good, is it? It 
you know what? I get when I gave it another chance. I at first I hated it. Like like how could they do that to Matt? But I was giving it another run for it, and I I did like the give and take between Charlize and uh, Tom there. Yeah. Tom Hardy. And I I understand that they hate. Apparently they hated each other. I did that. <laughs> yeah. And I, and and I gave it another shot, and then I really liked it. I really liked um i was quite frankly trying to study it up to improve my acting skills a bit and and um he he he's like give up on hope you know and and, and there's a slight look in his eye of a, a little fear and and you know and all this stuff and, and it's like nothing can take the place of mel gibson but they, they did their own thing and i again i just like you had to be i, I I despise it at first. Then I watch it, and I watch it again. I was like, ah. Oh. And she's got the war paint on, and and you know, it, it's it's amazing. And it's at the end, you know, they they give each other a nod of respect. Basically, she was half dead, and he 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 had and and, and I thought it was a you hated the ending, like you wanted to, you want them to kiss, you want them to embrace, <laughs> but they gave each other a nod, you know, just 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 like the seven samurai. Like I yeah. can't tell you how much that image I love. Like these people that are so masterful, and they have these amazing adventures. They save all these people. They 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 kill all these people and they survive. And then they put the they put the the weapon back in the holster. They put the samurai away and they just give each other a nod of respect. <laughs> like like I'll see you. Like in the beginning of Magnificent Seven, Yul Brenner meets Steve McQueen, and they're like, you can tell how how many adventures, how much death did these men face, and they meet each other, and it's all business. Like like you find any gunfighting? <laughs> <laughs> I just came from Tombstone, no business. It's 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 I'm in awe of it, you know. It's like, and I after I left that cult, I, the weirdest thing is I became of a disciple of a real master. The real thing he had. Fought in Nam. I don't know if you've seen that movie, Remo Williams. Uh, it goes way back. Yeah, I've seen that film. That, that was one of, my, one of my favorites when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he has, it's like Master Chung or whatever. Well, this this guy that became my disciple, I mean, I, mean, I became his student somehow. It was very difficult for me. Um, it was Hobbit. just like Master Chung. He, the guy insults him. He's like, you're you are disgusting and, and it's <laughs> but you see that master chong watches so far <laughs> hobbits hobbits joining you you know you'll know from the sound <laughs> hello chaps <laughs> hey, um can i just say i i too watched uh, the um imperator furiosa film with a yeah. uh, cameo appearance of mad max and <laughs> you know the thing is in retrospect watching that film you had a functional society who was run by a strong man who's probably unpleasant, but let's face it, it's an unpleasant wasteland. Right. And then right at the end, he dies, and then the women ruin that society by opening up the sluice gates for what I assume is a limited resource, thus condemning them all to death. So the women in that are the real villain. Oh, that's, that's an interesting take. In other words, this, this guy did what it survived, did what it took to survive. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, they even had like functional hydroponics gardens and, you know, they're doing water rationing. So that way everybody got their fair share. In some ways, it was an egalitarian society. <laughs> right, right. And he was like, Wit-, and, and, and he was like, witness me. But I guess we were just talking about a cult, a cult cults or when I was going to be on you guys. So I came from that emotional point of view when I was looking at it. So. But that, I mean, they, see, they, there you go. There's a, there's a side to it you'd never think. Like they, he had things going, and the post-apocalyptic wasteland, <laughs> and they, just, they killed him. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Hermit, I interrupted. That's an awesome point. Yeah, by all means. I mean, I did enjoy the film, but at the same time, I just realized that. Everyone's cheering at the end. It's like you do realize you're cheering your death by um, uh, dehydration. Uh, that's very well. You know why I said I first hated the film because I came at it from another way. I said, "Oh my God, there! This film is here to 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 create an archetypal warrior woman for for continued military oh, conquest." Wow. That was that was what I did. Without a doubt. It's it's more warrior princess programming, and the feminist yeah. of it is annoying. I, I did I did I did get, but I, you know what? And I realized that, but I still can't get enough. Why am I still looking at uh, these warrior princesses too? So it's I feel like a hypocrite too, you know. But or, same... or I can't help but want her to win or whatever. But at the in the back of my head, I'm like, oh yeah, they want women to join the military to kill everybody, you know. But at the same time, <laughs> I mean, it's very honest because. And unfortunately, I can't remember the name of the Greek play. There is a name of it. But it's one where the Greeks warn that when you get a society run by women, it all goes to ruin. And uh, it's it's it warns about like when women get the vote in Athens. And then I'm looking at uh, Fury Road, and it's telling exactly the same story. I mean, okay, there's no voting, but women are in charge. Open up the floodgates, and it's like, oh, now your water's gone. I mean, even a Morton Joe was saying that don't get addicted to water. Right. And you think to yourself, well, that sounds like an absurd statement to you and I, because you just turn the tap and there it is, you can drink it. But in a society like that, where everything's desert and even the oceans are gone, uh, water is a scarce resource. It's huge. Or like, mm. how about Iraq without Saddam? It, well, yeah, there you go. Saddam is a Morton Joe. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, new way, new way to look at Fury Road. So that Saddam is 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 a Morton Joe. Yeah, <laughs> people it. would probably shoot us for saying this. Uh. <laughs> you just killed the guy. Because what if they had number two? Part, obviously, part two. You know, they they, they would re revisit it, and it would be another. You know. Ma- Masculine threat and would join Billy Eilish or something would join the cast or something. I don't know. <laughs> and yet, all somehow have miraculous hair. I did like that sort of scene where the the girls are just like washing themselves and splashing about water carelessly. And more and more, I think about it. The film's anti-feminist, and I've got to say, it's better than Mad Max Three, but not as good as Mad Max Two. <laughs> which one was the? Which one was Mad Max? Three, the uh, with Tina Turner, yeah, yeah, but the tune was great. No, I don't know. <laughs> Mad Max 2 is a masterpiece. 
Uh, Mad Max 3 had some good memes from it, though, didn't it? Two men enter, one man leave. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, who run Barter Town? <laughs> <laughs> Bust a deal, face the wheel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that the poxy clips, you know, those kids are talking and they can't, and they, because they've got like second hand English, it's like they can't speak properly. And instead of the poxy cl- <laughs> po- clips, it's the poxy clips, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. I like Have you it. guys ever thought this, that the credit card debt would be getting so great that'd be like, and now we have the Johnson family. They owe Discover Card and Visa, and now they will enter the Death Island or whatever, you know? <laughs> <laughs> the Thunderdome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you have, and you have to pay. You you can watch it by using your points from your credit card. I like Mad Max 3. I mean, Mad Max 3 shows there's some recovery, and it's overall, it's a hopeful, optimistic film. And I do like how the kids are tribals and they're living in this oasis. And one of them's the shaman, and he's got like a, a vinyl disc in, in, on his stick. And then someone figures out that you can play that on this gramophone, and they're listening to French elocution lessons. <laughs> he's got the kids it's going, répète ab- après moi, je m'appelle François. <laughs> I suppose when you think about it, it's the, that that's the most interesting one of the lot. Because basically, um, Mad Max Two is just like go to the end of the road, turn around, and come back again. And it... yeah, does the first one have Max von Schneider in it, or am I out to lunch? No, it didn't. Oh, dog. Okay. Oi! The first Mad Max is what I like to think we're living in right now. Oi. We still see it recognised by the society. Shut up! We've got packs of roving gangs ignoring the uh, orders to stay at home. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the, the tow the cutter r- riding through the night. The night. No, it's the night rider, isn't it? The tow cutter's the, the, the uh, bad guy in it, isn't he? But the thing is, unlike that Mad Max future, the cops aren't armed with really cool cars. Yeah. They've just got, like, shitty Vauxhall Astras. <laughs> I mean, that's that's not a Road Warriors vehicle. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Go sorry to get down this Mad Max thing, but it is one of my favourite um, worlds, and I'm thinking I might replay the game sometime. People keep saying that it's a rubbish game, but I find it very enjoyable. Oh, they have they have, like, a video game of it? Yeah, it's, it's an open world explorer. You go, it's basically a story where you're trying to get reunited with your car, and you end up building this really good car, and you go on the quest for the holy V8 engine. <laughs> my, my only problem with it was it was a bit short, wasn't it? I think that was my problem with the game. My problem with it is you get the finally get the V8, and it's like, oh, there's I'm no more missions now. left to do. <laughs> I was hoping like the V8 would have been like some sort of pot like halfway during the game, so you get to enjoy going around in it. Yeah, I mean you do, but all for five minutes. (laughs) Oh dear! If if movies transform you, how how do game? I don't really do gaming, so does it transform you to your mind or? Oh yeah, I'd say so. I mean, um, 
I was on Brutus's thing, we were talking about June, and I explained that if it hadn't been for me playing the game, I'd have never watched the VHS in French, and I'd have never gone on to read the book in English. And I think this sort of gradual introduction to June is why it became one of my favourite stories of all times. Uh, the game was very, even sort of, it's very basic. It's from 1990, the graphics are basic, but it perfectly captures the atmosphere of it, I'd say. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like we were talking about Prince of Darkness, and that's old school filming, but they, they did whatever cash he had to make that movie. He did, Carpenter did some good choices in oh. creating that time message or whatever. The, you know, they, each of the characters has that prophetic dream. I thought it was, I thought he did a lot of what he had or whatever. Well, there's a fun synchronicity because I was just talking, um, just talking. YouTube recommended me um, Cinema Massacre, and it was Macaulay Culkin was watching Big Trouble in Little China with um, <laughs> some of these other nerds. And they were talking about how it was his last um, studio film, and after that he did Prince of Darkness. And I really do like John Carpenter films. Dark Star is actually very good. I mean, it sort of shows that when you're forced by budget to be constrained, you can create this masterpiece, which is very claustrophobic and actually very clever. Ah, is that what, that's one of his first ones, right? Dark Star is his first film, yeah. Didn't he? I didn't he make that at college or one. something? Wasn't that? Wasn't that like a college product project or something? If it is, it's the best college project I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean the philosophical bomb whose raison d'être is to explode. <laughs> that sounds a bit like Talky Toaster, doesn't it? Hmm. <laughs> No, I mean, Talky Toaster, I mean, I'm pretty sure that that is what it was inspired from. Ah, right, okay. There's a lot of Dark Star uh, references in Red Dwarf, actually. Oh, is there? Yeah, I mean, you sort of look at the sort of, the, the sort of um, run-down, dirty walls and things like that, and the low-budget uh, spaceship, and it just, it reminds me of, like, a British Dark Star. Yeah, it is actually when you think about it. I've I've seen a bit of Dark Dark Star, but I haven't seen all of it. I'll watch the entire film. I, I, in fact, if we were going to do a movie night, I would. Um, I mean, it's not as if we're going to work or anything. Let's watch Dark Star at some point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, go deeper. Watch all the Blake Seven. Oh God, <laughs> I've never watched a Blake Seven before. I, it was like, is it like a soap opera or something? Or? No, Blake, Blake's, like Blake, Blake Seven was, um, I think they were like a gang of criminals that stole a spaceship or something. Um, so it was kind of like, imagine like edgy Star Trek. It was a pretty good, it was a pretty good for? series. Edgy Star Trek, that, yeah, I, I like some of them. I like the um, yeah. actress from Dempsey and Makepeace. Uh, Glynis Barber. Glynis Barber. Yeah. Yeah. Can I say, whilst we're on the subject of edgy Star Trek, I mean, growing up as a kid watching TNG, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager, I always thought to myself, I'd love to see a Star Trek series that's focused on the Romulans and from their perspective of what's going on. <laughs> and we, yeah. we sort of have that with Picard, but it's awful. And then I look at it; it's directed by Alex Kurtzman who's done um, such other stellar pieces of work like Transformers and <laughs> season four of Lost. 
Ugh, lost. What a, what a waste of time that was. Thanks, Alex Kurtzman. Thanks for turning <laughs> this really interesting show set on a beautiful desert island into a piece of steaming dog excretions. Yeah, but the thing, yeah, but the thing is, though, everybody, when they watch the first, first episode of Lost, goes, they're all dead and they're in purgatory. And then J.J. Abrams goes, no, 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 they're not. No, 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 they're not. And then you watch the last episode. Oh, yeah, they were in purgatory the whole time. <laughs> oh, fair enough. I always thought they, they survived it. And, um, like, the island brings people there, which it needs. Um, no, no like nothing, nothing, nothing anywhere near as clever as that. J.J. Abrams was doing it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but, I mean, J.J. Abrams actually can make a coherent story. But he had all these interesting, like, um, loose ends. And Alex Kurtzman is just like, yeah, I'm just going to take a steaming dump over all of this. <laughs> By the way, I'm trying to staring for Lent as well. I mean, there's only, like, 17 more days to go, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think I can do it. <laughs> I'm going to be so pious at the end of Lent that Jesus is just going to, like, shine out the clouds and goes like, hey, Obit, you're all right. <laughs> you done good, lad. <laughs> now say sorry to Niall and you can come to heaven. <laughs> oh, dear. And this is me. How long is this thing going to go on, huh? 18 months. I mean, is it going to ruin the movies and stuff? Oh, uh, we never going to get to... The movies weren't already ruined by the tribe that does them all. <laughs> no, I... <laughs> no, but I mean, even like going in the building, like... You know, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's gone, hasn't it? There's, there's going to be no big tempo releases, are there? I mean, I use that as a way to, you know, if things were going really stressful, that, you know, you just go to the movies alone. It was, you know, cheap form of therapy or whatever, you know? Yeah, because you can just get lost in the film. You just stare at the screen and get lost in the film, can't you? Yeah, I mean, and, and sometimes it's a nice theater. Sometimes even a lousy movie, it's you still get to some escapism at least, you know. Yeah. Speaking of which, I'm really grateful I watched 1917 in the cinema. That was a beautiful and harrowing film. And the thing is, it's like, I I mean, it's one thing to read about the accounts of like thousands of men being machine gunned in minutes, but it's quite another thing when the film makes it. It, it makes it visceral and immersive in a way which you can't just get from reading and this is the other thing as well it's i find it quite hard to, to be immersed in films and unfortunately i have difficulty suspending my disbelief but i wasn't for that film no it's it was throughout throughout the entire thing of it it just is like i would say it's uh it is a masterpiece film So I'm, it's, I'm, it's it's pretty heavy too, right? It's like well, the thing is, about, yeah, yeah. I mean, two weeks prior to watching that film, I watched Dunkirk for the first time, and that was a very good film. Because uh, some of them are horrible. I mean, Pearl Harbor was in was total soap opera. <laughs> I always, I've never seen. Isn't Pearl that Harbor. isn't that Michael Bay? Didn't Michael Bay do Pearl Harbor? Oh, there we go. Isn't he part of the tribe? I don't know, but he's it's, he does he does a he's like Zack Snyder. He does a lovely looking film, but my god, are they rubbish? Are the stories rubbish? Let me just have a look at his early life. 
Michael Bay, early life. How long is it going to be before early life becomes a uh, anti-Semitic canard? <laughs> uh, I think I like the... Um... It was was one I liked. I confessed to liking the Miami Vice one. Uh, no, I, I actually, I actually, re- I actually, I unironically enjoy Bad Boys too. Yeah, oh. so, so sometimes you like them. <laughs> Guys, my suspicions confirmed. Michael Bay was born in Los Angeles. He was raised by his adoptive parents, Harriet, a bookstore owner, child psychiatrist, and Jim, a certified public accountant. Bay was raised Jewish. His grandfather was from Russia. So he's an honorary Jew. He's an honorary Jew. It explains why why he he does so well, doesn't it? But uh, I don't don't think those... I don't think Michael Bay's films are bad. They just lack story, don't they? Did he do Pacific Rim? No, that was someone else. That, that's Guillermo del Toro. Oh, I, I like his... He did that really creepy one about Spanish Civil War, which was... Uh, Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's yeah, yeah, that was a weird one. So oh, he was the director of that? Mm. Yeah, uh, Hellboy as well, didn't he, Guillermo del Toro? Did he also direct Day of the Beast? Uh don't think so. That's not you what I wrote, but... It's from 1995, it's in Spanish, it's about this priest who tries to do as many sins as possible in order to raise the Antichrist, so he can kill the Antichrist. Sounds nice. Apparently it's a Spanish black black comedy horror film. Alex de de la Iglesia is the director for that one. No idea. I thought Del Toro is just like, oh, that's a Spaniard, what else has he done? (laughs) So my apologies, this is supposed to be a show about the paranormal, we ended up talking about movies, what I've enjoyed. <laughs> well, we were talking about movies, because we were talking about, have you seen Prince of Darkness, Hobbit? Is that the one which has got uh, Donald Sutherland? No, Kiefer Sutherland. No, Donald Pleasance. Oh, okay. Isn't there um, a James Carpenter film, John Carpenter film, with Kiefer Sutherland, where he's this vampire? And he's like a real dick vampire. He basically plays the same role Keeper Sutherland's done in all films apart from Twin Peaks. Are you not talking? Are you plays- not talking about Lost Boys? That was Richard Donner. Was it? Yeah. Let me have a look at uh, Kiefer Sutherland's um, uh, because Donald Sutherland's all right, but I really dislike Kiefer Sutherland, especially after the Twenty Four. Keith. I mean, what sort of name is Keith Er anyway? <laughs> <laughs> you know that uh, what's his what's his name uh, Howard Hunt? Before he died, he wrote a book and and uh, he said the you know the CIA guy the Howard E Howard Hunt that that twenty four was the most effective propaganda tool. You know oh, yeah. twenty four about about basically where the guy takes there's no there's no rights and he's just torturing people all the time and people loved it you know it was like. And, was yeah, an effective for for getting people shoot. for getting people yeah. to accept uh, to accept torture of uh, eminent absolutely people. oh okay interesting and, 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 and at the very same time that was on a bunch of politicians would you don't think waterboarding is effective 
you people are naive and like every 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 scene Kiefer Sutherland is like strangling people and shooting people and he's like because and we have 24 hours you know yeah <laughs> breaking their fingers so that we have to do this the, the even more intense one was uh oh god um I forget it but they uh, zero dark 30. Oh, oh I haven't yeah. seen that one well, I can confirm Kiefer Sutherland played David in The Lost Boys, which is directed yeah. by Joe Sh- Schumacher. Oh, Schumacher, I was wrong. Let me remind myself of um, Prince of Darkness, because John Carpenter done a bunch of horror films as well, hasn't he? Yeah, and it's he's... the one where the, devil's, where the devil's in the basement in that vat. By the way, I'm from a timeline where John Carpenter died in, was it 2016, all those celebrities were dying? <laughs> I re- I re- the two I remember dying, one was George Takai, which I thought, oh, good, he was annoying. I mean, he was annoyingly homosexual. Uh-huh. And the one which I really sort of lamented was John Carpenter. I remember that the first one to die was the bloke from Phantasmagoria, the the tall man. That's um, Phantasm. Oh, yeah. And David Bowie died. And then it was just like, oh, no, John Carpenter's still alive. And I was like, but I remember reading his obituary. And it was such a weird thing because now I'm in this timeline where John Carter's still alive and he's written a comic sequel to Big Trouble in Little China. There's also one to uh, Escape from New York as well. Let's see. So Big Trouble in Little China, that would have been um, Halloween. Big Trouble in Little China, Halloween, Halloween, Heads of Tales, Bastion Asia, Escape from L.A., what? It's called Prince of Darkness, right? Yeah. I thought it's. Oh well, um, John Carpenter is in My Name Is Earl. Um, <laughs> okay. Planet Terror, Prince of Darkness. Let's see, Prince of. Oh, The Power of Nightmares, The Rise of Politics of Fear, Shadows in the Cave, two thousand four. Writer, Prince of Darkness, main theme, uncredited. What are you talking about, Hobbit? <laughs> John Carpenter and the Prince of Darkness. So let's have a look. Prince of Darkness. What is this thing? So I can. It's got you know, um. Can... It it it's got Alice Cooper in it as a murderous Trump. Yeah. Nineteen eighty-seven. He doesn't have any lines, but he's great. Yeah. Who's John Carpenter? Have you not seen that one in Hobbit? I don't think I have. No, that's the thing. I mean. Apart from the thing, I don't really watch his um, his horror films. Oh, you I'm should watching... you should watch that one. It's incredibly high concept. Um, basically, um, there's uh, the Vatican gathers a load of scientists together because they've found the uh, devil and he's in like this tank in a basement. Cool. Yeah. yeah okay. I'll, and there's a, and there's I'll some like that. messages through time and stuff like that in it as well. Well, this is the thing as well. I, I, I kind of like how I think, oh, yeah, I've seen all of John Carpenter's films apart from Halloween. And then, of course, because I'm in this timeline, it's like, oh, did you know he directed this film called Prince of Darkness? <laughs> and there was that other one about Mars as well, Ghosts of Mars. Oh, yes. Uh, I think, I wasn't wasn't Ghosts of Mars originally supposed to be like the third Snake Plissken film, I think? I don't know. I mean, oh, yeah, because there was, like, Escape from L.A., and I think there was going to be one called Escape from the Moon. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't know. 
But I remember there was a bunch of sort of films about Mars around about the same time. And there was Total Ian Recall. Sam Neill. That, yeah, our Total Recall was 1990. But, I mean, in the 2000s, there was that one with Sam Neill in it. Mars? Which wasn't... Or are you talking about yeah. this John Carpenter one? Are you talking about In the Mouth oh. of Madness? Um, because the John Carpenter one's got, like, Ice Cube or some other rapper in it. Yeah. Um, but then there's this other Mars film where they encounter an artifact and uh, it sort of shows them how the Martians colonised Earth or seeded life on it or something. I haven't seen that one. It's pretty good. Um, I mean, the, the Martian ones kind of reminds me of, like, Space Ghosts or something like this. Space Ghosts. Yeah, wasn't it like there were spooky ghosts or there were Martian ghosts or zombies or... I can't yeah, that's what Ghosts of Mars was, wasn't it? Because they were ghosts of Martians, weren't they? The inhabiting human bodies. Uh, that's it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ice Cube was like Des- Desto- Desolation Jones or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That would be another alpha female. Oh, Natasha Henstridge, Natasha wasn't she? Henstridge. In that. Yeah. I was watching an Which old I love. film recently, and I saw the Warrior Princess programming in that, and I'm, tr- I'm trying to remember what film it was where I saw that. I feel something from the 80s. No, it wasn't... Was it Conan? Oh, are you no. thinking of um, Red Sonja? Oh, no, it wasn't Red Sonja. I haven't actually seen that film in ages, but there was this Warrior Princess... A long time ago, sort of before Xena Warrior Princess and things like that. Um, not Terminator, although that's a good example. Actually, you know what? James Cameron makes believable, strong female leads. So I'm not going to criticise uh, him for that. That is an example of like women which are actually strong and believably strong. And Ripley. Yeah, well, there you go. There's another example. So Sarah Connor and, and Ripley, they're both like believable, strong female leads. In terms of uh, actual... uh, What's the thing you guys... The um, ghost phenomenon movies or whatever. Did you see the one with the Warrens? Earl and Ed Warren? Oh, yeah. Um, Interesting story about that. Um... Apparently, someone someone already owns all of the copyrights of all of the Warren cases, so the films they can make, so the ones they can actually make films of, are, are, are cases that they've only tangentially been involved in. Ah, that's that's why the last film was like the Enfield Ghost, the the Enfield Haunting, and stuff like that, because they can't actually get into any, they can't they can't actually do anything about, they can't make any films about any of like the. The, the juicier events. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. Because they have like a museum up in New Hampshire there. Have you been there? I guess he's passed passed away. I wanted to. I didn't make it open. It was one of, definitely one of the things. I've definitely hit a lot of spots, you know. I've been to the Skull and Bones tomb, and then I went over to Bavaria to Ingolstadt University, you know, for the heck of it. And I enjoyed that very much, though. So. If you went to Skull and Bones, did you go in the wanking coffin? (laughs) (laughs) 
No, but I, I, I tried to get the lowdown and I got it. Of course, where do you go to you? Of course, you ask the janitor what the hell is going on. <laughs> and the guy was saying, it. it was you, what? You've joined a secret society. And he's like, oh, yeah, I've joined a sex cult. And it's like, all right, go in that coffin and have a wank. <laughs> what? I thought we were going to have like groupies or something. <laughs> Oh yeah, we got in. We got back to the cult motif. Yeah, back there again. Uh, you were saying you asked the janitor what was going, what was going on. Yeah, there. Uh, what the thing? And he says, he says, um, oh yeah, everybody wants to be in it. You know, everybody wants to be in it. And he goes, one day a year, the 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 guys. He goes, they throw pennies from heaven like a spell. I guess it's almost like sound like a spell type of talk to me. And he says, like, and all the women want to catch the pennies. Everybody wants to be in it. And I was like, and, and he said, yeah. I said, well, nobody can go in there, right? Because it's, it's uh, secret. And he said, no, the, you know, the the uh, maintenance guy has to go in once a year. It's a law about the boiler. And it's like, oh, what's in there? And he's like, oh, a bunch of dead stuff, man, and all this stuff. And it was like, what wants to be in it? And w- one interesting is there's a there's a woman who wrote. Uh, a book called Secrets of the Tomb. And so, of course, all the, a lot of hardcore conspiracy guys like, well, she, it was a fluff piece or whatever, but it's funny. funny. I, I got to know her a bit and she put me in one of her mundane books and gave, you know, it's like, it's a, it's about be, being a singer and doing comedy at night and, 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 you know, having a, a a shitty job during the day, and she put me. So that was kind of interesting. But I, I, you know, they say she's covering up with it. But I think she. It's like kind of like Niall Ferguson does a a book about networking. Or you've seen that? Have you guys seen that one? But no. It's got like he's talking about being part of Harvard or Oxford, or and he he does go into a thing, the Illuminata, and he. He's kind of giving a little, obviously, a, a punch in the face to people who traffic in conspiracies and theories and stuff. But he, but he, at the same time, he has a lot of information in it. I think her thing is kind of like that, too. Yeah, because I, I think it's like, I think there is an element of, like, the conspiracy theory and stuff like that to it. But I think there's also an element of just, like, it's just like a goofy club or something like that. The, the for real and like you want to be in it or to get network to get a job right yeah was that that was now that kind of fraternity thing or the or the schools for young men in england that that was the way they trained you to 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 boost the empire right that that the certain like you'd go to those boys schools and they would teach you you know, to rule, right? Or to yeah, it's uh, go, going it. going to the right, the right, the right school tie. It used to be a very, very important thing. And they had the secret societies associated with that, of course, right? Like, yeah, you've got what uh, was it? The Bullingdon Club, wasn't it? That uh, David Cameron was in, where where they said he had to shag the pig's head, didn't they? <laughs> Did you remember the bit where um, Charlie Brooker had a mental breakdown because? It got found out David Cameron had uh, fucked a pig's head. <laughs> Do I say allegedly I'm not on that one? I think that because is. Al- I think that is allegedly. I think that one is allegedly. 
Okay, so he, allegedly he, he fucked a pig's head whilst everyone else was having a wank, allegedly. And <laughs> Charlie Brooker's pilot episode of Black Mirror was the Prime Minister's been... Uh, he's, he, there's like a terrorist attack, and if he doesn't have sex with a live pig on live TV, the terrorist will blow something up or kill someone or something. I don't know. It's, uh, it's the princess is being kidnapped, isn't it, if I remember rightly? Oh, Okay. And yeah. it tur- and it turns out to be an art project in the end. Do you remember the end of it? No. It turns out to- it turns out to be all a hoax, and it and it was just an art. It was just an art art project. The the guy pretending to kidnap her. It's it just all- a prank, bro. Yeah, it's just a prank, bro. After he's done, all- <laughs> <laughs> they've made the prime minister a shag a pig. Yeah, mind <laughs> you, that is a pretty good prank. So yeah. <laughs> And, and you know, I, I suppose I suppose in a certain way, if you're talking about this mysterious phenomena and occult stuff, there's it's the definitely the or cults or whatever. There's nothing like the cinema and these things that have really influence people or art in general. You know, or well, you've got um, it's <laughs> what what Harvey Weinstein gets up to is is kind of like um, it's like an initiation ceremony, isn't it? What he like getting him to. Well, you have, have a shower while he jerks off in front of you or whatever he gets up to. The masturbation showers. Yeah. Please. I, I, I got this theory, and I'm going to repeat it again because I haven't spoken to our guest on, on this one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My theory is is that um, a certain events like go send ripples through time and people that are artistic are sensitive to this stuff. They're they're creative and they're tapping into um, some sort of the, the Akashic record. There we go. That's a term for it. And that's why big things like 9-11, it's not that, you know, the people that write The Simpsons or stuff are having prior knowledge. It's just certain um, uh, artists were picking up on the number 9-11. So they put it into their media unconsciously. And the reason I mention this is um, my favourite Irish gobshite, Thomas Sheridan, and he truly is a gobshite, by the way, because he always ends his videos with feck him if they can't take a joke. So I made a joke here once and he blocked me on Facebook. <laughs> this goes back a while. So anyway, um, he was saying like, oh, guys, I'm worried about a coronal mass ejection. I keep having nightmares about it. And he's got this very convincing way of talking, by the way. Uh, he has got the gift of the gab. And I thought it was interesting because now we've got coronavirus and he was having nightmares about corona mass ejection which admittedly would be worse than this plague uh because of the plague i mean let's say it's like the black death and one third of the world population dies that's bad but that's recoverable we know it's recoverable because of the black death a coronal mass ejection would destroy all the electronics on the uh, hemisphere facing the sun which means that whatever's on the other side of the earth well, they, they just become the new superpower. You know, if, if if China was exposed to it in Australia, then they're in the Stone Age. And then people in America and Europe would just be like going, well, we can send you um, infrastructure to get your electrics back on track, but it's going to cost you a lot. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, yeah, we he dodged a bit. But at the same time, I thought that's interesting because... It's like he picked up on Corona. Corona's definitely 
the big word that's sort of going around and billions of people are talking about corona and he picked up on corona and of course the first thing that came to mind is what dangerous world-changing event starts a corona oh corona mass ejection mm. because up until a few months ago no one was really talking about uh, uh, coronavirus um the point I'm saying there is that artists, they can pick up on events ahead of time and they don't realise what it is they're picking up on. And they're not always 100% ac- um, accurate because... You mean, st- you like mean stuff like sense. you mean stuff like that woman that um, predicted the uh, Titanic sinking in a book, didn't she? she? She wrote it all down and the events happened pretty much as they played out, didn't they? Well, I mean, uh, I've got a first-hand experience of this. Um, I may have mentioned it in a previous episode of 14 Words, and I, I didn't even have to think about that because I'm looking at the title on your YouTube video. Um, I was asleep, and I was floating in the clouds above what I thought was the Black Sea, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. That's the Black Sea down there. And I saw this passenger jet flying overhead and this uh, streak of light going from... I could see ships... I mean, I don't know how that works, but I could see the ship and a missile was emerging from it, shot up and knocks the passenger jet out of the sky. And then I wake up to find that, oh yeah, Russia was doing a naval drill at the time, using live surface-to-air missiles. Unfortunately, a Ukrainian jet got shot out of the sky. Ooh. But I was dreaming this as it happened. So I wake up and I, I listen to the news and I was like, Oh, I just had a dream about that. Weird. That's a heavy vibration. Hmm. Well, I see. I mean, like big sort of things, lots of artists will pick up on it. That's why 9-11 appears in so much media. Um, but little things like that, I mean, I've I no idea how it picks up on me. I'm, I'm fairly interested in Russian stuff because the Russian Revolution was interesting and it's shame what happened to the um to the aristocracy i mean it's absolutely brutal what they did to did to them even the kiddies didn't they <clears throat> but it's i don't think i've ever had an event like that um before or since or if i have i mean i i don't know about it but i mean i, I might have had like an event where you know i was looking back into the past and i always remember i did dream about greek gore and i thought ah this is interesting and I thought, ah, oh, this was definitely 3,000 years in the past. It seemed very specific date. Um, but, you know, that's not really useful because I don't have any evidence. I mean, it's just an agora uh, in Greece. And, you know, it's just like any other market, except it's 3,000 years ago. So you wouldn't see carrots or potatoes. Or wouldn't even see lettuce for that matter. That's what we were be- talking about, whether or not the hangman, the, the the photo of the guy jumping off the World Trade Center, was it staged or was it real? Or was it a result of a, you know, synchronicity from black magic, you know, psychodrama type of thing? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, the thing is that the same... It's one of those sort of desperate situations where if you're in a situation like a burning building and there's no way to get out, what what do you do? And what can you do? Well, I'll tell you one thing you can do is you can turn your bloody mobile phones off. Who is it they keep... <laughs> I, 
I, I do apologise for the interruption. This is very unprofessional. <laughs> <laughs> do you not know how to put a phone on silent, Hobbit? Oh, yeah, it's just... This is the thing, right? I go, like, sometimes an entire day without anyone sending me a message. And, you know, usually I have to send messages. Like, yesterday, for example, it was dead quiet. I was sending out feelers everywhere. And the people were only responding today. And now it's just like, oh, yeah, I'll come on and, you know, have a have a bit of a laugh. And suddenly my mum's asking me, is there any letters come through? And... Uh, my friend in Germany showing me the view from a balcony. She says the music starting at nine o'clock is a new thing. So they're in lockdown over there as well. <laughs> I asked my Are we transferring to... into complete transhuman as a result of this? Is everybody like, uh, you know, everything from human sexual relations to any kind of communication. Now we're going to do it through, you know, internet and, it does feel rather surreal, doesn't it? I mean, I, I recently started getting into, folks, I encourage you to get a two-way radio, and uh, uh, turns out my uncle is a, is a ham radio operator, uh, or used to be, I should say. And uh, I was, he was helping me find some uh, repeater stations in my area, and I was listening to some middle-aged blokes talking about beer and um, their radio equipment. And I says, ah, oh, they're sort of saying, is anyone about? Can I can I say hello to them? And he says, oh, no, you shouldn't unless you've got a license because otherwise you're a pirate and generally they're shunned upon. So it's been surreal because, I mean, I've been... Uh, to answer your question, I mean, yeah, I've been on the internet, but that's, that's normal for someone of my age, uh, especially for those younger than myself. But I just thought, oh, yeah, I'll have a go at two-way radio. That would be fun. I mean... I like to imagine worst comes to the worst and uh, suddenly there'll be like, a, oh, yeah, well, all the infrastructure's gone down, but somehow the repeater stations are still working because, I don't know, they're, they're on the diesel generator backup or something. And uh, so I'm getting a two-way radio. I've got a two-way radio. Nice. Yeah, yeah, but everything else is. I'm Occasionally I'm answering emails from work. I'm not really bothering that much with it. And I'm getting people like, can I still buy this? Can I do this? And are oh, you sending me that thing? And it's like, well, I can't get into the factory. So, oh, yeah, but the customer's getting really impatient. It's like, your customer's in this country, right? Yeah. The, the country which plague's ravaging for at the moment. Yeah. Have you told him there's a plague going on at the moment? Yeah. He's asking when he's going to get it. And I said, I don't know. How long does it take for the plague to die out? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's like... You've got some people, and I'm just like, I'm sorry, it's like, are they living in the same world as I am? I mean, last time I checked, I mean, I, I even looked on the BBC, and I got a text message from the government and responded, how did you get my number? And then, the, why is the text message from the government? Hang on, let's read it out for those who haven't seen it for, or, or whatever. Um, UK unders, underscore gov. Gov.uk, alert, coronavirus, in all caps. New rules in force now. You must stay at home. More info and exemptions. Gov.uk slash coronavirus. Stay at home. Protect the NHS. Save lives. And I think they've got onto some sort of like neurolinguistic programming because even when I see something like save the NHS, it gives me warm, fuzzy feelings inside, even though <laughs> my experiences with the NHS have been a bit 
bit shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's nothing to say about the staff it's more to do with the politics of the nhs where they they want to be a bit like the united nations and just go like oh look our african contingent's just as competent as the european contingent and they really not oh the other problem with doctors is they're egotists as well they're not scientists they're not like galen who is doing experiments um so i've been uh have I talked about gallstones before? Well, anyway, uh, no, whatever my medical no, no, but whatever my medical condition was, they said surgery is your only option. I said, really? I because you know I'm a bit reluctant to have organs removed from my body without good reason. What if I was to do this non-invasive procedure? So I went ahead and experimented. I did the non-invasive procedure, and I said, all right, do an ultrasound, have a look at my organs. Oh yeah. You fixed yourself. Well, you know, it was just a fluke. Maybe the ultrasound was like, it's like, guys, you've got records of me being admitted to accident emergency where I'm screaming in agony. You've got the ultrasounds showing that my organs are fucked up. I've done this procedure and now I fixed myself. Why won't you do this? Ah, uh, yeah, well, you, you're probably just faking it. Go away. And it's just the sheer oh, bloody yeah. arrogance of the doctors and the ones lying to my face. And I said, oh, have you tried this, this medical technique? And it's like, no, it's never been tried. I said, really? No, never been tried for, for that, for that organ. And then I looked into it and I'm not being specific now because I don't want to mention um, what the procedure is and stuff like that. Well, I've written about it on forums and stuff. So, we, you know, you can put two and two together and figure out what I'm talking about. But I looked into it. Yeah, in the 90s, uh, this medical procedure was tried, but they found in 22% of patients, they, they had to come back because um, it hadn't fixed them. So they decided, oh, this non-invasive technique, which works 78% of the time, we're just going to discontinue it because if we amputate the organ, then it'll have no more problems. Like, oh, you've got, you've got pneumonia, you've got tuberculosis. Well, we're just going to amputate your lung and that way you won't have any problems in that lung. Yeah, medical. Oh yeah, there's always a natural way to, to beat it. Like, yeah, well, uh, like gallbladder flushes and stuff. It, it, yeah, it's because yeah. it's it's the reverse. It's like it's like a horror movie, right? The the, the doctor is trying to kill you. It's the reverse of the logic. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And I, I just I looked at the doctor and uh, chaps. I mean, I'm not sure if I've spoken this before, but he was a foreign. And he was one of those shifty-looking line-type foreigners who lied to my face. And uh, it was just it's like, well, you're lying to my face. I don't trust you. And I don't believe you've even sworn the Hippocratic Oath. So I, I don't like... You're not even allowed to ask the doctors if they've sworn... The only way you, you can know if they have or not is if they've got like a marble bust of Hippocrates on, on their shelf. Uh, my previous GP did have one. I was like... That's Hippocrates, isn't it? He says, yeah, how did you know? It's like, well, I I know you doctors, you you like Hippocrates and Galen. He's like, yeah, I saw the Hippocratic Oath. And that guy, I really trusted him because, you, you know, like most doctors, they're not too questioning of their dogma. They are very unquestioning people. They What I'd say is they're highly skilled medwits. Um, but uh, the ones which want to heal, they've got their heart in the right place. And that's important. 
Yeah, because basi- basically, um, doctors at the moment, they're just drug pushers, aren't they? Well, yeah, I mean, the, the GPs certainly are drug pushers. They're like, here, take this drug and they'll, can you uh, kindly bugger off? Whereas yeah. the surgeons just go, well, I've got a scalpel, therefore everything is a cut and remove problem. Like, uh, you know, asking a carpenter, you see this thing here? Well, I've got a hammer, therefore let's nail that. But at the same time, I'm, I'm hoping this, with this, um, you know, the, the, the chink apocalypse, the uh, China's one cough, poly- the sweet and sour sickness, that's it. I'm hoping that's going to devastate uh, a lot of places with entrenched views. And then afterwards, uh, whatever remains of the NHS, I could just be like, all right, you're short on staff, so you're going to need staff to do vital things. How about instead of this costly keyhole surgery, you ask patients to try this non-invasive procedure first and see if it works for them. And that way you'll reduce the number of people needing surgery and having complications from surgery afterwards. Because guess what? Turns out if you get an organ removed from your body, it doesn't always mean you'll be healthy afterwards. In fact, quite the reverse. Well, what what does a gallbladder do? It processes fat, doesn't it? A gallbladder is part of your liver system. Not all mammals have got a gallbladder, but humans do. And um, you've got galls, gall? You've got bile stored in the gallbladder. Yeah. And the reason being is you, you have a large meal or you have a meal. And when the chime from the stomach passes into the duodenum, it needs to be neutralized. And somehow the intestines are able to analyze the fat content of it. And so then they say to the gallbladder, okay, that, that gall you've stored up, can you, can you release it now? I mean, the NHS likes to put on a load of um, uh, bullshit on their page about gallbladders. Like, oh, well, typically a gallbladder can only from three to 50 milliliters of gall. And it's, it's not really that important. Your liver's constantly producing. It's like, yeah, it's constantly producing it, but it's constantly producing a dilute form of it. Yeah. When it's in the gallbladder, it's concentrated. So it's like, um, I suppose it's like concentrated washing up liquid. Yeah. Yeah. And they can make quite a few pounds by removing it with an operation too, I, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> it's a quick profit, I suppose. Okay, I'm back now. Uh, I mean, the thing is, with the NHS, it's not supposed to have those profit motives, yet the surgeons are quite highly paid. I think it's more a case of the preventative medicine approach to it, of like, uh, well, if we remove the gallbladder, then you can't have gallbladder problems. Yeah, but you can have, like, um, problems from the surgery, and then you, you can't digest foods in the same way before, so you've got constant diarrhea and irritable bowel syndrome bowel cancer and all those other lovely things so um but they just go oh well that's all right i mean if you get those things then you can come back for some incredibly painful and expensive chemotherapy which the nhs will um will provide and uh it's it's a ridiculous system i mean i i i'm not sure i'm I'm not i mean the, the problem is that there's like there's very few doctors like house md 
who are scientists first and they're doctors second and they're wanting to experiment. Um, but the problem is, I mean, I, do, I did a dissertation in medical science about this because I, I, uh, I was doing, oh, it was saying about microbiology and I was like, all right, I'm going to do about the history of pasteurization and how um, the medical uh, field, uh, the doctors at the time dismissed Louis Pasteur's work but the um, vinters and the brewers in France uh, immediately saw the merit of his work with, no, it was about teaching germ theory. And there was this, this idea of malaria passing it. Um, and the point being, whatever it was about pasteurization or germ theory or something, the brewers and vinters accepted uh, Louis Pasteur's work and took on his advice. And then they saved themselves a lot of money from you know, beer or wine turning into vinegar. And the reason they would have accepted it is because, well, he just saved them a lot of money and it's their commercial interest. Whether it's with the doctor, whether your patient dies or has a positive outcome doesn't really affect your bottom line. I mean, if the patient dies, then you, you still carry on as a doctor, more or less. I mean, yeah, if every single patient you, you assess dies, you'll get investigated like Harold Shipman did. But, you know, you get two deaths, you get one or two deaths here and there. It's just like, oh, well, you know, it's part and parcel of the modern medical system. So it's only after the brewers accepted Louis Pasteur. Well, again, again, as well, the doctors get nothing for for um, getting a, a patient to do a non-invasive treatment, like you said. You know, so they get nothing for that, do they? Whereas they can get, you know, 500 quid at the weekend for doing a gallbladder operation or whatever, can't they? Yeah, I mean, I mean, they don't even care and they downplay like the, the risks of when you have this organ amputated, you're crippled for the rest of your life. I mean, it's like it's like I'm saying, like, oh, you can work, walk around perfectly fine with only like uh, one leg. You can have a prosthetic and, you know, most people won't notice and you can hardly see the limp. And, um, yeah, walking up and down the stairs might be a bit tricky, but, you know, be fine and uh, get over and done with. And the surgery is nice and easy. But, yeah, uh, a lot of these doctors are going to be dead soon. And then I'm hoping the ones that survive will be more open to, to reason and uh, willing to try these things, which will save them time, money, but more importantly, save the patient a lot of pain, distress and crippling complications from the surgery. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fingers crossed, but I actually died of my gallbladder. I didn't want to be too specific about it, but now I realise, like, I can't talk. Oh, and the other thing which he said, so I, now well, I've mentioned what it was, I said, what about lithotripsy for uh, gallstones? No, never been tried. Yes, it has been tried. It's still done for bladder and kidney stones, but the NHS won't do it for gallstones. So what's that? What are you talking What Lithotripsy, what's that? So lithotripsy is a process of... Um, no idea what tripsy means, but I assume it means break up or something. Lipho is stone, and you, you're in a bath, and there's ultrasonic speakers all around the bath, and the, they angle the beam of ultrasounds to a specific point in your body, and the, when, the, when the waves cross, there's an interference pattern, and that causes, like... Um, the stones to shake apart from 
I suppose they find the resonant frequency, that's it, and then they shake them apart. And yeah, the stones break up and you can uh, then pass it through the bile duct uh, quite easily. Uh, but again, they, they, they did it. And then the NICE, which became, is the NHS's uh, governing body, which, di which dictates all procedures and medicines which can be used in the United Kingdom, doesn't matter whether you're private or not, all of that has to be NHS approved. Uh, they said, yeah, we noticed 22% of patients came back a few years afterwards with more gallstones. So we decided that it's actually um, better if we just remove the gallbladder and then we don't have to see them again for, for gallstone attacks. And it's like, yeah. That's quite depressing, really, isn't it? I mean, imagine going to the garage and just saying, hey, my, my car stereo doesn't work. So they take it out. It's like, <laughs> we fixed it. Uh, yeah. You won't have any more well, problems with it. Yeah, yeah, there, there won't be any more problems with it. It's like, my air conditioning doesn't work. And it's like, yeah, we took the air conditioning out. You won't have any more problems with it. Yeah. My brakes don't work. Yeah, we took your brakes out. You won't have any more problems with it. <laughs> I mean, it still goes. If you want to slow down, just go into the verge <laughs> of the wall or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's only a slight That's complication. Right. I was learning the Eastern medicine. Any 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 surgery scar will will block the chi. Basically, I'm tending to oversimplifying the kind of stuff you talk about. That's my view of it. Every time they cut your body's energy, you know it. Yeah, yeah, that can make it, sense. I mean. You're supposed to have like a, what's it, a um, energetic form. Because I was uh, talking, uh, one of the things I was curious about when uh, I was studying biology was they, they talk about stem cells and how tissues form and how the cells produce these proteins so that more cells can be formed of that tissue. But I said, well, how is it that, and it's like, okay, I'm a kidney, I'm, I'm the kidney thing. I'm a blood capillary, what sends blood into the kidney. I'm one of those vessels what transfers urine from the kidney to the bladder. And then when you go, oh, yeah, but I'm connective tissue and I'm bone. And so, and the thing is, no one actually knows. And I don't think the DNA itself has the information for that. I think DNA's got information. Well, we know that DNA's got information for replicating proteins. Uh, that's uh, heavily studied in um, genetic engineering. But there's no real understanding of the basis of how uh, a multicellular organism forms different tissues and has boundary layers between the tissues. And my theory is, is there's an energetic uh, um, skeleton, which, uh, I mean, I suppose like a three-dimensional radio signal or something. Well, because you get people with uh, phantom limbs, don't you? Well, that's it. And I, I think the, 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 the energetic skeleton's not been amputated. It's just the physical body which has. Yeah. So that's why you get phantom sensation in an amputated limb. Yeah, that makes sense. Have you had those studies where they, they hook up the plants and, and people try to scare the plant and they react? Yeah, yeah. Or the, and they can talk or the... I've I've spoken as well with um, uh, uh, the, the vegetarian. No, he's a vegan. He's like you know super vegetarian at work. About he says, oh, I, I just I don't want to cause suffering when I eat something. And I said, well, you know when you cut grass, there's that smell of cut grass. He said, yeah. I said, do you like that smell? I said, yeah, yeah. So do I. I think that's a nice smell. 
But do you realise what you're enjoying there is the sound of a thousand blades of grass crying out in pain? <laughs> yeah, that's when a cut grass is a stress response to damage, but to warn other grass that, hey, I've been damaged, prepare yourself, maybe there's going to be grazing or something. I mean, it's communicating to the other blades of grass that I've occurred, uh, I've undergone damage. So it's, it's screaming out in pain. And then I was in this... Um, it was actually, uh, uh, what's his name? He's that bloke from Bista, um, Mark Devlin, that's his name. Oh, yeah. And he, is he vegetarian? I think he's vegetarian or vegan, and his friends are as well. And they were talking about animal cruelty and stuff like that. And I just thought, okay, well, I'm the token omnivore here. So I'm going to say that um, this thing about uh, plants. And then another bloke stood up and he says, Oh, have you heard about this experiment where a live um, yogurt with uh, bacteria in it was put into a petri dish? They had a control, they had a control group in one room and the experiment subject group on the same. So it's the same bacteria culture. Now they analysed the response of the control and the test subject to boiling water. So the, the the test subject they poured boiling water on it and there was a measurable response from bacteria from being boiled alive. The control room, um, this this uh, Petri dish with the yogurt in it, had exactly the same stress response as the one that was being boiled alive. Now, how are the, how is that bacteria communicating with stuff in another room where there's no physical connection between the two samples of yogurt? It is amazing. I've heard. Have you heard the one about the uh, the uh, the the sperm samples halfway around the world react if one is shocked or something? Well, yeah. I mean, that, that's another thing as well. I mean, I don't know how you go and do this experiment because it's going to take a long time to get from one place to the other. But let's say you had like a, a research uh, station on Mars, and you took like a sample of yogurt to Mars and. You took a sample of yogurt to Earth. The problem with that is, like, would it mutate in that time? Because if you freeze it, that's going to damage it. So would it mutate so much that it wouldn't react? What if there was, like, somewhere you could instantaneously split this stuff and then have it over, like, a vast, vast distance, like on the other side of the Earth with the sperm samples, and uh, see what, you know, what is the maximum range that this can react and then if we had the ability to, say, we could have like a, uh, a, a sample of this from one side of the galaxy to the other, if we had this ability. And then to sort of, if we also had the ability to instantaneously monitor both samples, would they still react? Could we find, is there an effective range? Or are they, is there some sort of quantum entanglement where irrespective of the range, they're still going to be aware of each other? This is that is really interesting. It's an experiment I'd like to do. I think it's, I mean, we, we don't have the ability to do it now. And like I said, in the future, but it, it would be worth like sending out. Oh, no, you can't do that in the International Space Station. All the food they send out there, they irritate with gamma waves. So it's all sterile. Um, because I'd be fascinated if they took like a live yogurt culture into space and then subjected it to these sort of experiments and see whether the sample on Earth was responding in the same way. And the International Space Station, the um, 
the round trip time there is well, it's less than a second. You don't believe in uh, space, do you, Hobbit? Well, you know, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm assuming. I mean, maybe they've got like some sort of you don't, room you don't believe that... you don't believe anything NASA says, do you, Hobbit? Oh, what NASA needs another seven astronauts? <laughs> Never a straight answer. <laughs> yeah, <that's it. laughs> NASA exists as an organization to dispel all research into hollow earth and NASA, NASA is a place to 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 bury the black budget. That's what it is. They pretend they're making lunar lunar rovers and uh, rockets and stuff like that. It's really a really a wet, really a black budget cover. I, 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 I think to myself. I mean, I I grew up watching Star Trek, and it really sort of had gave me this utopian ideal view of the future, where through science we're gonna really make ourselves wise and good people and we'll live in a post-scarcity society where anybody can just like replicate stuff that's another thing that pisses me off for picard why is there like money and people scrambling for resources when you can just replicate anything you want because trump <laughs> pretty, pretty much <laughs> i haven't i haven't watched it i haven't watched any but i've heard it's because trump isn't it you're you're not missing much, and I, I, I'm trying to think how that fits into it. But I'm just like, no, nah, I'll just go with it. Uh, I mean, the show doesn't really need that much thinking about it, and yeah, I still watch it. I think I'm like, I've got that, you know, beaten spouse syndrome of, oh, you'll change, you'll change. It'll actually become a good show at the end. Uh, but yeah, I grew up with this very sort of positive view of science and. Uh, a lot of my family are academics and uh, they, they and, and curious people, and they have worked in science and and so. Well, has thought, it, oh, hasn't hasn't well, um, Star Trek inspired a lot of science? Probably has. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's a very good propaganda for science as a, as a healing thing, a, a tikkun olam through science, as it were. <laughs> Um, but the thing is, the more and more I've grown up, the more I realize, like, you know what, these scientists, they're not free thinking, open minded individuals. They're just as dogmatic as the so called priesthood, which we're supposed to despise. And then I find that the doctors, I mean, yeah, so the, the few of them, they are diamonds in the rough, especially now with diversity quotes in the NHS. But the few diamonds in the rough which do the Hippocratic Oath, they're very well meaning people and heart in the right place, but they have not got inquiring minds. They're just like, uh, well, procedure says we do this, and yes, it's very interesting. You've done this; these herbal supplements. You mean so they just they just read the Lancet and take it at face value? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's it. It's just yeah. like, well, I'm sorry, but your experiment's not being peer reviewed. It's like I've got first hand evidence. Here's my findings. Ah, uh, well, if you get it published in Lancet, maybe we'll take you seriously. Tee hee hee. <laughs> I mean, it literally got the thing which pissed me off. <laughs> pissed me off so much was there was a letter that was written to uh, some of the higher ups in the nhs when i said oh look i've done this and it's and it's cured it and then and the thing is what actually the evidence which the, they were interested in was is they've seen the ultrasound before and after and they're going like oh yeah there's something to back this up but the the surgeon just sort of lying through his teeth and he says oh herbal supplements it's like well it's not herbal supplements there's epsom salts which is a laxative, 
there's grapefruit juice and there's olive oil. And it's not as if what I'm doing is this new revolutionary thing. The Egyptians knew about it. The Victorians knew about it. So, I mean, for fuck's sake, it's not hard to understand the principle of operation here. But yet they just sort of, oh, yeah, it's herbal science. In other words, it's bollocks and it's probably a fluke. We can ignore this crackpot. Yeah. Do you get the feeling that we've lost, uh, as a people, that we've lost uh, it? We've lost lost um, knowledge over time. Well, the horrible thing is we've lost knowledge, and yet you've got people like myself who find this lost knowledge, and then I, I've actually put it into practice in my real life and go, oh, look, that actually worked. Our ancestors were wise, weren't they? Hey, modern doctor guy, here's some lost knowledge which works. I'll piss off, will you? That's not the <laughs> answer. Yeah. It, it's, it's that dogma, and then it, that's the thing. Like, I just... My my positive view of science has been completely disabused by the people that purport to be scientists and the 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 plebit tier I fucking love science crowd. And I'm sorry for the F, but that's that's the way it, it you know I'm quoting how yeah. they say it. It's like no, you don't you don't effing love science. You, you love your your religion of scientism, where oh the guy in the lab coats, yeah, your priests mock. The guy in the lab coat says this, therefore it must be true. It, it does make it does make you wonder what would happen if like Newton was around today. Like, so, say we hadn't discovered gravity and stuff like that, and Newton had done his experiments. I mean, would they have just fucked him up as a crank? It does make you wonder, doesn't it? Well, I mean, a lot of people dismissed him back then as well, and uh, this did the same with the White Wright brothers. And the thing, what I think it is, is because these are not credential um, credentialed fellows which have the respect of their peers. And I'm thinking it's just like the priesthood where you've got the proper priests and they've got the very nice smocks. And then you've got your heretic wearing sackcloth saying, I have the true version of the Bible and Jesus said this. And then, you know, you, you've got your, your heretics, which are seen as, as crackpots. And I'm thinking this is the same thing. It's exactly the same sort of mentality. I'm a heretic cr- uh, crackpot wearing a sackcloth because I dared to defy dogma and said, no, there is a better way. I mean, some people will listen to me, but they'll be branded heretics as well. And most of society will go on living blissfully unaware up until the point where they get crippled because they've had their gallbladder out. I hate that effing love science meme thing. <laughs> it is shit here, isn't it? It's, it's really awful. Oh, God, I swore. Sorry, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> it, it, it's... People, uh, I don't know if this happens to you guys, but a lot of times people get tired of talking to me about any kind of system figure, you know, priestly class, theology, the scientist. They're like, what people have said to me actually, there's, oh, there's you, and then there's thousands of years of knowledge. And what do you know? What, what, why, why, why aren't you for the vaccination? And you're, you're not that smart. And I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I don't like it. Something about it I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a part yeah. of gut gut to it, isn't there? I I think definitely a gut reaction. You know, is it like a defense? Like he was speaking about the everything's connected. These artists get vibrations of these future events, and the grass feels the pain. And you know, and also you can't discount the fact that people say everything's connected, but then they don't be, 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 practice it at all. You know, they just say, oh yeah, everything's connected. But that's, you know, I got to pay attention to, you know, 
Neil DeGrasso or you know, or yeah, anything Joe Rogan. Any guy, yeah. any guy, General Rogan. I like Joe Rogan kind of, but any guy he's got on is like, oh, this author, this scientist, you know, and it's like, oh, well, the ordinary yeah. people do learn too, and the animals. Neil <laughs> Dank Grass, Tyson Cush, Marijuana, Fried Chicken, Big Snooper Fugger, yeah. <laughs> the, the Black Science Guy. We we've got a version of Black Science Guy in the UK, and his name is. Um, Donald Cox, Brian no, Cox. Brian Cox. It. Brian, is it? Isn't the galaxy beautiful, wonderful, amazing? Is it? What does he say? Isn't science amazing? <laughs> yeah, look at me as I walk through the Cambridge University and go like, "Oh, look, it's some proper sciencing love, people." <laughs> <laughs> and well, Bill Nye, the science guy, or something. It, yeah, well, he's, Bill... he's kind of like him, isn't he? But the thing is, Professor Brian Cox has a PhD in what astronomy or something, and um, he had a, PA, he had a PhD in being a one it wonder. Yeah, well, that's it. Uh, Doreen, <laughs> things can only get better. The theme tune, of Tony the Blair's movie. Tony Blair's theme tune, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it, it's just like, well, there's a sinister his, history. You've been selected by the elites, and uh, <laughs> really have been selected by the elites. I can't stand that tosser. I mean, he's got the same disingenuous grin on his face that Tony Blair had, the one which completely creeps me out. Yeah. But I had this, I, I was getting to a point here, not apart from just, you know, the, the sour grapes I've got that, why won't anyone listen to me? Surely I'm reasonable. Oh, that's it. If there's a, <laughs> if there's a vaccine for the sweet and sour sickness or the Kung flu or, you know, the Wuhan ain't nothing to fuck with. Um, <laughs> you done are it again. We, um, are we, yeah, well, you know, Jesus will forgive me for that because he knows I'm quoting um, black rappers. Yeah. Uh, if um, if there's a vaccine that comes out for it, you're going to bother taking it? Well, usually, usually by the, by the time the vaccine... Usually by the time the vaccine comes out, the virus has mutated and fucking moved on anyway, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, when it comes to flu, one of the reasons that flu reinfects people every every year, because normally what happens is you get a disease and then your body builds immunity to it and then you don't get the disease again. But you get flu every year because it's mutated by um, in a year's time. And this disease, they say, has mutated twice in, what, it was released in November or something? So, I mean, is, it, is, any, is anybody really... I, I think it's a synthetic one. Is anybody really surprised? Oh, sorry. It's. I was just going to say, is anyone really surprised kids are dying of it? I mean, basically, kids now are brought up in sterile environments, aren't they? They they don't have any kind of antibodies to fight anything, really, do they? You know what? Maybe these Indians are onto something with bathing in cow shit. Yeah. You need to expose your kids to cow shit. Yeah. Work, work on farms. Tell them to jump on cow pats. I used to jump on cow eat some worms, kids. Eat some worms, kids. That's it. Build, build up pick your immunity. Your nose and eat, pick your nose and eat the bogeys too. Kick some <laughs> stuff off of the floor. You've got to encourage your kids to be dirty whilst they're yeah. young, so they've got an immune system. The other thing which would help as well is if the kids actually got breastfed, because all the immunity their mothers got um, gets transferred through in breast milk, and likewise. That mother or her immunity, if she's been breastfed by her mum, she's got her immunity. So if you've got like uninterrupted generations being breastfed, 
there's a long line of um, immunity being passed down from mother to mother to mother through breast milk. So you guys can admit they're going to whip out an English actor or actress when it when it's really when they want you to take the vaccination that will be extremely nice and they're going to come on a giant world TV thing and they be like, we need to do this for us for me for us or something I don't know. The worse well, it will get, the more smarmy this thing will be, right? Or, they yeah. could probably have Prince Charles doing a uh, public stunt where he's getting injected with something. It's like, I've now been <laughs> vaccinated against COVID-19. It's like, why are you getting vaccinated for a disease you've already got? I mean, that, that's like, <laughs> oh, well, the horses have bought out the stale, uh, stable, so now I'm going to close the door. You take a vaccine before you get infected. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's, it's no point in saying like, oh, yeah, this disease, which we, we, we've, we've definitely got, which a lot of people is asymptomatic. And, you know, I'm even starting to believe these um, conspiracy theorists. And it's weird, actually. There's a lot of conspiracy theories about this, which just don't ring as true. But there's a lot of people that says, I think I've already got this. I mean, I had flu-like symptoms during January. And I was aches and pains and feeling really shitty. Um, and it wasn't like the flu, but then it passed and, you know, they had shortness of breath and they were dizzy. And I thought, that sounded like me during January as well. Well, you had that thing last year, didn't you? It was like you had AIDS or something. When you just had that thing that you just couldn't shift for about six months. Maybe I had airborne AIDS. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I've, I've already had the chinky cough. I mean, maybe... You know what, I think I probably have got it, but at the same time, with all this fear about it, it's not as if I could just sort of wander outside and go, la de la de la. I'm not willing to get, risk getting coughed on by a slanty eye, so. Uh. It's the cult of the coronavirus, which we've come into our topic, right? <laughs> yeah, finally. We're, we're all joining it. We're all paranoid. We're like, uh, uh, will I do like the movie stars do? Um, well, Did you I mean, I, I, I've seen like horror videos from Italy where you've got these people in, in ventilator beds. And then I just thought to myself, I don't really know what I'm being, what I'm being shown here. And uh, I, I mean, yeah, I, I, I take their word for it that it's real. But what if I do well, you, you got you got to remember, Hobbit, these are the same people that were showing, showing the, the horrific bombing of um, gas... You remember uh, Assad, the gas-killing animal? Do you, remember, you know, these are the same people that showed you that. It's the, That's the thing. You can't trust the word these people say, can you? No. The whole that's... white helmet. Yeah. yeah it, I mean, it's like the boy that cried wolf. I mean, they've cried wolf so many times, and now they're crying wolf or COVID-19. And I'm starting to think to myself, are they just crying wolf again? I've already got this chinky cough, and it's been and gone. And I don't know. And I'm not getting tested for it either because I think the test is a load of bollocks as well. So uh, you know the Parkland Parkland shooting victim kid David Hogg is suddenly an expert on Sy the Syrian conflict, uh -huh. and, and he's like the white helmets. Sorry, I interrupt. Oh God, that it was so kid weird. Is what twenty six years old? Yeah, and it's like all of a sudden he's an expert in geopolitics, and he wants us to get in a fight with the Russians and. <laughs> well, well, I, I thought you were a shooting victim, kid. 
I, I could believe that because his dad's an FBI agent. So, I mean, it could just <laughs> yeah. be his dad feeding him uh, what, he's, what he's supposed to be saying. Because I noticed whilst David Hogg is still in prominence, that Goblina, um, she wasn't marketable, so they dropped her. It, do you remember it was both, like, it was him and then there was this goblin woman. And I thought the reason they had this shaved head goblin um, next to him was to make him look charismatic and presentable. <laughs> Because when he's on his own, you realise just what a <laughs> fucked up face he's got. Nerdy and weird, weren't he? I mean, what is it with, like, um, the, the current, like, uh, uh, alleged child-raping satanic elite putting these weird, like, fucked up kids in front of us to, like, lecture us? Well, they look like children, but they're not children. Like, David Hogg's 26, uh, Greta. years old. You're kind and of Greta's, coming around the edge of Greta as well, aren't you? And she's... She's like a weird um, Down syndrome person that looks way younger than she actually is, isn't she? I mean, she looks 12, but she's 17 or something. It's just it's like, yeah, you, you've not undergone um, puberty. She's got, she's got the Wu-Tang flu as well, isn't she? Well, no, she's got the no-one's-paying-attention-to-me flu, which is, <laughs> is a fate worse than death for women. I thought she was the red cartoon girl from Resident Evil. She was like, you're all going to die. <laughs> when you started talking, I got a bit excited when you talked about redheads. I thought you were going to talk about Valma. She's mine. Do I prefer Valma? No, I think I prefer Valma over Wilma. Valma I mean, over Wilma. they're both redheads. <laughs> but, I mean, give, if, if I had to, like, spend... Well, I like money, Betty. <laughs> oh yeah, I like I, I like Betty as well. I mean, she's hot. But if I had a choice between being in the sauna with Valma or Wilma, I'd rather go with Valma. I mean, there's less chance of Fred coming and beat me up afterwards. <laughs> uh, oh, it's like five fifteen Eastern Standard Time here, guys. I yeah, might I might go get a bite. I could talk all night to you guys. It's cool. I'm probably gonna night. get a bite. Well, it's not as if we've got anything better to do. I mean, uh, I'm still waiting for my mini cork to come. I, I bought a synthesizer. <laughs> I, I got ever so enthusiastic about synthesizers, and I noticed that there's all these people on YouTube doing tutorials on how to play melodies and bass lines from boards of character songs. And they say, you twiddle the knob to this setting and that setting, and now it sounds like it's an old-timey tape deck which is recording shortwave and... That's another reason why I bought a two-wave radio, because I wanted to get, like, uh, bits of analogue static and hiss in um, some music. Because you are the resistance. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> you are the resistance. Ah, the potentiometer resistance. This is getting, like, Inception or whatever, where the reality is, like, you know, we're... We've all got our YouTubes, and then we, and then we got like the Alex Jones thing, and then we, and then the <laughs> news is opinion, and then the, and then now the life is weird too. It's gonna, yeah. Maybe people are gonna uh, pay to, to go places and do something bored now or something. <laughs> <laughs> A mundane holiday. <laughs> Welcome that. to Nebraska. Reminds me of that. Do you remember that? Do you remember that young ones Hobbit where they where they're in uh, the place that's always fun and they're all de they're desperate to be bored. Do you remember that? Oh, I don't remember that one. What they go out on the trip? 
Oh, no. Uh, it, of... it kind of goes below ground, and there's like the king and queen, and they've got all the courtiers that you like. It's always it's always fun, and they and they just want to meet someone really boring. <laughs> no, I'm, you're saying Nebraska, and I'm trying to think of our equivalent, like a holiday where you get sent to Slough, and there's constant drizzle, <laughs> and you have to wake up seven o'clock in the morning so you can get through the morning uh, rush to to get to work. Don't worry about it though, because you're on the bus or something. Yeah. And then your your work is like the most most mundane office drivel where you're doing like insurance assessment forms or some some bollocks like that. But it's like David Brent's life, isn't it? That that'd be fucking mundane, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's I think it. I gotta check out you guys. I gotta go get a bite, but uh, no yeah, problem. Well, we're, we're we're interrupting. We're gonna wind up anyway. Lovely. Thanks for coming on, Stash. Oh, okay. Really enjoyed I it. I really loved meeting you guys. This was absolutely a tremendous wrap. I hope you can have me on again sometime. Yeah, nice one. Stuff. Just just let me know. You got you got my contact details now anyway, so All right, that'd be awesome. All right, hey. Tremendous talking to you guys. Uh, keep the resistance. <laughs> we are the resistance. We are the re- the bloody resistance. Uh, for her majesty, of course. <laughs> All Lovely. right, let's see you later, guys. Have a great... What time is it over there, anyway? Is it like... Uh, it's uh, 20 past nine. Wow. All right. How do you say it? Cheers. Cheers, pal. Cheers. Cheers. All right, Cheerio. Great. Cheerio. Yeah. In Boston, it. we say, uh, out of here. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> see you guys. Nice one. Cheers, Dash. Thanks a lot, mate. Cheers. Well, I think now's time to address the chat. I, I haven't been ignoring you. Guys, Chat's been a bit quiet. I think. Well, I think. I think Calvin. everyone's. We're up against. Dut, we're up against Dutton and the twenty-four hour stream, aren't we? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, eleven people are watching us rather than the other thing. So uh, we got. Play to those we've guys. had fifty-seven playbacks. How does that even work when we haven't even done the show yet? Uh, because it's on DVR, isn't it? Yeah. The, there's the DVR settings, so it's people. I think it's people who've started from the start again. Oh, fair enough. Well, Rob Calvert says, um, God, Rod Coffin. Yep, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he says, Are you going to the PA conference? What is the police academy conference? Police academy, <laughs> citizens, is, on, uh, citizens on patrol. I actually watched police academy too the other night. Oh, yeah, back when you had the. You know, the, the non-threatening black guy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the pleasant 80s blacks as opposed to the 90s blacks. Yeah. And he says, well, Hobbit is remote viewing. And it's like, there's only literally one time I remote viewed. And it's just like, well, what am I supposed to do? I mean, I woke up and it's like, yeah, that event's been and gone. Right. Kids so are we going to wind this up now then, Hobbit? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was so strange you were talking about Prince Yeah, of the Pit's doing and... a 24-hour stream. Hold on a sec. I'll get the latest. Mm. Uh, you've, been, you've been listening to any of the Pit, have you? No, no, I haven't at all. I've been... Um, but he, was, much... he was talking about sweet... He was talking about uh, food in Austria the, when, earlier when I was on. Oh, nice. Oh, I missed that. Um I, I finally know what a Venus schnitzel is. It's not a battered sausage. It's battered steak, and it's lovely. Ah, oh, that sounds all right. Oh, it's gorgeous. It really is. And um, oh, I loved it. But yeah, um, kids don't play outside anymore. No. Well, 
Yeah. You know, there's a right. reason for that these days. Night all.